All right, I want to welcome everybody. Today we're going to be in First uh, Chronicles 29, verses 10 through 18. So find those in your Bible, and we'll get rolling here in just a second. Um, <clears throat> hopefully, uh, boy, everything's working well today. Uh, the microphones, I don't feel like I'm in a can or anything, so, so um, <clears throat> it's feeling really good. But, um, but anyway, as, as, you, uh, as you get there, um, we've been starting a series last week talking about financial freedom. How do we, how do we uh, find this place where we're not in bondage to, to stuff? And last week we talked about where's my treasure? What is it that I treasure? Because our heart follows what we treasure. So, you know, how, how do we not be caught up and bound by that? Today, today we're going to look at King David and, and um, a response that he had there in First Chronicles 29, 10 through 18. So there it says, uh, David says, Therefore, David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer, be able to... The, be able thus to offer willingly. For all things come from you, and of your own have we given you. For we are strangers before you and sojourners, as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow, and there is no abiding. O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand, and all is your own." I know, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things. And now I have seen your people who are present here, offering freely and joyously to you. O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your fathers, keep forever such purposes and thoughts in the hearts of your people and direct their hearts towards you. Um, So as we come to this in in this passage, David, he, he wanted to build a temple for God. Uh, temple to the Lord. He said, you know, I'm dwelling in this huge house. I have this big mansion and, and the dwelling place of God is a tent. I mean, that's just not right. And, and so um, he talked to his advisor, Nathan, and Nathan had said, yeah, you know, do what's in your heart. And then, and then the next day, Nathan said, no, it's not you. You're not the one to do this. It's going to be your son. Your son Solomon will do this. And, and then God made this incredible promise to David. And, and David's just, he's, he's blown away. You know, he, he tells David, you know what? You will always have a descendant on the throne. And we know that in hindsight to see, to know that that's Jesus, um, the, the descendant of David. And, and then uh, we, we go on to there. And, and um, David, instead, he says, you know what? I'm going to do everything in my power. I have all of the resources. I have everything that's necessary. I'm going to make sure that everything is there to build this temple. I'm going to make it possible for my son to step right in and do what I wanted to do that God says I'm not going to do, but he will do. So he, he, he steps up to do that, and, and he 
begins to provide um, resources and, and so forth. So <clears throat> as, as we come into that and look at David's heart, this is, this is the response after everything is, is coming in. And, um, and <clears throat> in there, the first thing looking at in verse 11 is that financial freedom comes from yielding to God's ownership. David yielded to the ownership of God. He starts with God because that's where everything started for him. Um, he created everything. God owns everything. David acknowledges this. He acknowledges that every good thing he has comes from God. He says, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. So David starts there by, by yielding to God, by, by pointing out who he is, yielding to him, and understanding that everything he has comes from God, that, that he has not pulled himself up by his bootstraps. He is not a self-created man. He is not self-made. He is not um, doing everything on his own, but he is, he is acknowledging God. In James 1.17, James put it this way, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So as, as we come in to that, we, we see that there's this Thing that, that coming in, that everything comes from God. God is the one who gives us everything. Every good gift comes from him. The air that we breathe, every breath that you take today, it's a gift from God. Uh, you, you didn't do anything to earn it. You didn't do anything to make it. You're not sustaining it. It's coming from God. Every time we breathe in, every time you get a glass of water, it's not coming from the well. It's coming from God because God's the one who filled the well. God's the one who made it possible to put the pump down in the well. God's the one who gave us a mind where we could figure out how to make an electric pump to pump the water that he made out. And we made that with the stuff that he gave us to fashion it and put it together. We, we didn't do it. Everything comes comes from him. Um, the money that we make, the stuff that we accumulate, our homes, our vehicles, they're all gifts from God. They're all things that he has enabled us to do. Our families, they're gifts from God. We didn't create our families. They are a gift from God. Um, this church is his church. It's not our church. It's not my church. It's not your church. It's God's church. It belongs to him. Is fully his. He made it possible. Everything that comes here, and, and as we recognize that, that's key to everything. Key to everything in life is understanding that it all belongs to God, that we have to yield to the ownership of God, that everything comes from him, that we are caring for what he has placed in our control. He's the giver of all good things because all good things belong to him. He's the source of all good things, and he's the source for financial freedom. Um, and, and the way that we, we do that, the way that we find that is that we yield to the ownership of God and we live lives of gratitude and dependence upon God. We, we come in and understand that if I want to have a life that's, that's free from, from the entanglement of stuff and financial issues and everything else, it begins by yielding to God as the owner of everything and living a life of gratitude and dependence. Psalm 24, 1 says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof the world and those who dwell therein, for he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Or Psalm 50, verse 12, God says, if I were hungry, I would not tell you for the world in its fullness are mine. God says, I don't need anything from you. There's nothing you can do for me. 
I, I am fully self-sustaining. I, I made it all. I created it all. I own it all. If I had a need, why would I go to what I created to meet my need? That's not even feasible. Haggai 2.8, God says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. So it, it uh, comes in and biblically, you could, there are several other passages that, that hit on this, but basically comes in and saying, God says, I own everything. Everything is mine. It all belongs to me. And so for us, it begins with acknowledging God as the owner and treating his creation and everything in it like it's our responsibility. It's caring for it. Not everyone, you know, not everyone treats your stuff well. If you loan something out, they might not treat it the way that you would treat it. And if you loan something to someone and they give it back to you and they didn't care for it, what do you think? Not going to do that again. Or, uh, you know, when, when the tool comes back in three pieces instead of two or whatever, you go, hmm, maybe I shouldn't loan things to this person. Maybe I shouldn't entrust them with that. Or maybe you have something that you rent and when it comes back, it's not the same as when it went out. Trish and I have been doing, we've been taking care of this rental car thing. So we, we clean it, drop it off, and, and, and do the thing coming back. And I went to pick it up not too long ago. And when I got in it, I go, man, something is not right. Something is not right. And then there's like this air freshener thing stuck on the vent. And I go, something is not right in here. And it's not the air freshener. It's what the air freshener is trying to cover up. I, they were smoking weed in here. and This is never going away. This is not, I mean, there's not enough ozone to kill that stink. And, and I was not happy. And, and I told the guy who has the car, I said, look, you need to charge these people and, and pay me to fix this because this is not right. And it's going to take me a couple of days to get this junk out of there. But that's, that's rental, you know? Um, if you own it, you're, you might not do that to your own. Oh, maybe you will with that stuff. I have no idea. That's, that's another topic. But uh, just foolishness. But, um, but anyway, what I'm saying is, is we don't always take care of other people's stuff, do we? People don't always do that until you understand that, that what we have, we have to understand that it's not ours. It belongs to God. It belongs to God. And we have to care for it as such. And, and everything that, that, that belongs to him, we need to understand that we are his stewards. We, a steward um, a steward, someone who takes care of other people's things, a manager, they take care of someone's household. If in, uh, in, in Bible times, if, if a person was wealthy, they would have a steward. The steward would take care of his household for him. They would manage things. They would pay the bills. They would make sure that things were done right. And, and so you've got enough money that you don't have to worry about that stuff. You have somebody else to care for it. And if they don't care for it, they're fired. And, and they're going to care for it because caring for it is, is a good gig. It's a good job when you're caring for that and, and you get to enjoy it and use it and experience it. So they do that. And, and to be a steward and care for the things of God as if they are, they are our fully, own, fully our own is where God wants us to be. But he also wants us to understand that it belongs to him for his purposes. So he gives it to us like last week God says. He gives us everything. He richly provides for us to enjoy 
these things, to bless us with these things. And, and so you come around and go, well, the air, I enjoy the air. I enjoy the water. Um, I enjoy drinking the water. I enjoy fishing in the water. I enjoy skiing on the water, not up here. I don't get water up here, but, but where I'm from, the water's warm and, and you can get on top of it and fly and it's fun. But, uh, but, but, you know, there are all kinds of things to enjoy with that and, and come in. And, and so we understand that everything belongs to him for his purposes, but he has given it to us to enjoy and to use for those purposes. And everything builds on this principle in life. When we come in and we, we do this, it's, so we, we come down to it's, it's either we have three different ways to look at things. It's either it's mine, I own it all, or God has part of it and I have part of it or it all belongs to God. So we have one of these three things to take. And the, and the middle one's kind of, you're trying to live in two worlds that really won't work at all. So it's either it's mine or it's God's. And, and the correct answer for that is that it all belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. Another way of putting it is life is like a monopoly game. You know what? When, when you finally get everything, it's over with, you throw all the pieces in the box and you put it back on the shelf. And then somebody else comes and plays with the game. And they may not play the game the way that you want the game played. They may not play with the game the way that you want it done, but it's over with and it's not yours anymore. And, and that's the way this life is. One day I'll die and all the things that I think are great and important, my kids will sell in a garage sale. Because they'll go, you know what, dad? That's just stuff that I don't want to have to deal with. And, uh, and, and so that's, that's just the way it is. So financial freedom, first of all, it comes in, in taking all of these things and knowing that we see and we understand and realizing it's the same way with God. When he looks at us, he goes, you know what? It, it, it's all mine. I'm just giving it to you for a season, and, and I want you to yield to me as the owner. And the second thing in verses 12, 14, and 16 is that financial freedom comes from recognizing God as the source of every good thing. So... We, we move from understanding that he owns it all to also he is the source of it all. He is the one who provides it all to us. Everything that I have comes from God. Everything that you have comes from God, whether you recognize it or not. Um, <clears throat> he graciously gives to us and he graciously provides for us and, and sustains us. There, um, one of the Psalms, it says that, you know, God opens his hand and he feeds all the living creatures. You know, he, he provides for that. Everything that we have, he is the source of every good thing that comes along. In First Chronicles 29, 12, it says, both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. So David, first of all, he just says, look, everything I have, I, I know where it comes from. It came from God. All this stuff around me, the gold, the silver, all the stuff amassed, all the great jewels and everything that's, that are in my kingdom, they come from you. And, and you are the one who has given me that ability. In First Chronicles 29, 14, he says, David says, but who am I and what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly for all things come from you and of your own have we given you. David goes on to say, he says, you know what? Even the offering that I'm given to you, you gave it to me. 
says, I'm just giving you back what you gave to me. All of this comes from you. And, and, and who am I? Why have you blessed me so richly that I could even do this, that I could participate in this and be a part of it? Or in verse 16, he says, oh, Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house and for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. So David, he just recognizes, he says, you know what, God, everything that I'm giving to you, it's really yours. You gave it to me. You're the source. You are it. And, and we come in and we see that and, and we come in and, and the quicker we come to that conclusion, the quicker we come to this place in life, the, the more free we will be when it comes to the area of finances and, and handling things and, and coming on. And when I look at everything that, uh, you, know, you know, I can just look at it personally, everything that Trish and I have personally, I can look at it, and I can easily see how God made it possible. I mean, I may not have seen it in the moment, but in hindsight, I can look back over years, over 30, we're pushing 35 years together uh, being married. And, and so as we, we look over those 35 years, I can see a lot of ways that God provided for us. Um, <clears throat> you know, early in our marriage, less than a year into it, we made a series of decisions to trust God and financially, they were not what I would say would have been wise decisions. Um, <clears throat> we left Alaska so that I could go to seminary. And when I was in seminary, I made more in eight weeks on the slope than I made, than we made combined in a year while I was in seminary. Now, the money was good up there. No question about that, but that that's a huge change. It's a huge change financially. And um, <clears throat> then after that, three years later, after getting out of seminary, we went and I pastored a, a, a church, a small church in Colorado, and, and we were making a little over $400 a week. I mean, that's not much more than I made in a day. And we bought a little house there in Pueblo with a down payment for money we had saved from some cows that we had bought and, you know, bought some cows and cows had calves and, you know, kind of made a little money here, you know, a hundred bucks on this cow, a hundred bucks on that cow. Um, and, uh, we, we bought a trailer house while we were there, you know, our first house was on wheels and, uh, and, and, you know, I, you know, I had people say, why are you living in a trailer house? I said, because when I'm done here, I can sell this thing. And all you got is rent. And, and we did. We sold it when we were done. So we had some money. Um, and, and we were able to buy a house in Pueblo, 1,143 square feet, $60,000. My parents were dying. I mean, they were just saying, you're paying way too much for this house. It was built in 1979. It's old. And it's way overpriced. Your brother's getting a brand new one that's 50% bigger for not much more money. It's like, yeah, but that's Texas and this is Colorado. <clears throat> and I have checked out the market and we did it. You know what? Four years later, we felt God leading us here. We sold that house for $94,500 in a day. We closed on it 17 days after we put it on the market. Closed and walked here with a big fat check in our pocket. And had we not had that check, we wouldn't have been able to buy the house that we're in now. 
There's no way. There's absolutely no way. And we came here, and, and it was a struggle to keep our head above water as well. First year was hard, hard, hard. And, uh, <clears throat> but uh, God was faithful, and he cared for us. And, <clears throat> and um, over the years, God has increased what he's given to us and placing our control and, and ability to give and, and, and so forth. But, um, but God's been faithful to us, and he's provided us with wonderful homes along the way. And by the way, you know, you can laugh about the house on wheels, but I'll tell you what. As my mama said, it was nice. But it's a nice trailer. And, uh, and that's about how she says it, you know, because her eyes kind of, ah, she's southern. East Texas. And it was nice. It was nice. And uh, <clears throat> we didn't take loss on it, so that, that was good. In the house that we had in Colorado, it was nice. It was small. Had two bedrooms upstairs, one bathroom. I shared a bathroom with three girls. That's not nice, but it's doable. But it was a nice house. You know what? It, it was God gave it to us. It was exactly what my wife wanted. The colors were what she, I mean, everything was what she wanted. And, and um, it, it worked out really well. And God provided us one here that was way more than what we expected. And we're still in it. 26 years later, and it's paid for, and it's great, just absolutely great. But I say all that to say that we've trusted God all along the way. We've trusted God to provide for us, and he's never failed us. He has never failed us. It may not always be what we would think or want or or expect, but it's always more than enough. It's always more. Deuteronomy 8, 17 and 18 says, Beware, lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And that's the warning God gave to the people. He said, don't think that you're doing this on your own. God gave you the gifts, he gave you the, he gave you the abilities. He's the one who makes it possible for you to do what, um, what you do. And David understood this. He understood that God supplied everything that he had, and he was blessed to be using it. He, you know, who am I? Who am I that I could give to the God who made me? And, and, and the God who made me gave me what I'm giving to him. It's kind of like Christmas time. You know, if you got small kids and they want to get you a Christmas present, you got to give money to get it, right? But the funny part is, it's always fun when you get it. And it's not because you paid for your own gift. It's because your child gave you a gift. And and that's the same way I think that God kind of looks at us sometimes. He goes, you know what? Isn't that cute? Isn't that cute? Isn't that sweet? Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful that my child wants to give to me? I don't need anything from him, but I sure love to receive it. You see, God owns it all, and our role is to give up our perceived rights and yield it to him as the rightful owner. 
In Luke 14, 33, Jesus says, So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. He said, look, if you want to follow me, you've got to forget about this thing of I'm the owner. You need to understand that God owns everything. You've got to come. And, and, and when Jesus said that, he's saying he's not talking just about resources. He's talking about your literal life. He's talking about everything, every aspect of life. So following Jesus means giving him control over everything. When we come in, so we need to yield to God's ownership. We have to recognize God as a source of every good thing. And then finally, we have to to realize that financial freedom comes from living a life of gratitude and dependence. It comes from living a life of gratitude to God for what he gives to us and dependence on him for what he wants to do um, in and through us. And that's the starting point. It's yielding to God's ownership and and living a life of gratitude and dependence. In, In 1 Chronicles 29, verse 10 says, therefore, David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our father, forever and ever. In 1 Chronicles 29, 13, and now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. And then in verses 17 and 18, I know, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things. And now I've seen your people who are present here offering freely and joyously to you. O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep forever such purposes and thoughts in the hearts of your people and direct their hearts toward you. So as as we come by, it's living a life of gratitude and dependence. That's where financial freedom begins. And, And so as you come in and you look at it, in the room, we're all over the page. We're probably all over the page. There's some people who make a, a lot of money, some people who don't make a whole lot. Um, they're, they're, um, you know, and, and then when you come to the kingdom of God and, and you come into what I'd call like the big church, the church globally, all Christians gathered over the world who are worshiping Jesus today, the church of Jesus, um, as, as we would <clears throat> come in there, there are people who make um, extravagant wealth and there are people of extreme poverty. You go into third world countries, you'll find people of extreme poverty. You come into nations like ours, the first world, you'll find people of extreme wealth. I mean, it, it, and, and they, it's, it's a vast difference. Um, I'll give you, for instance, I, I read an article a little over a week ago about uh, David Green, the owner of Hobby Lobby. So I don't know much about him other than he owns Hobby Lobby. And he built the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. And to be able to buy land in Washington, D.C. and build something on it, you got to have some bucks because that's probably some of the most expensive real estate on the globe. But, um, but anyway, he wrote, he wrote a, an article and he said, and, and I'm just cutting a little piece of it out. He said, perhaps the biggest challenge is to ask the question of whether you are an owner or a steward a manager of what you've been entrusted with. As an owner, there are certain rights and responsibilities, including the right to sell the company and keep the profits for yourself and your family. As our company grew, that idea began to bother me more and more. Well-meaning attorneys and accountants advised me to simply pass ownership down to my children and grandchildren. It didn't seem fair to me that I might change or even ruin the future of grandchildren who had not even been born yet. I considered my path, 
I realized that all my success had come from God. My wife, Barbara, and I had started this business with a $600 loan, and I don't think anyone would have bet on us to become successful. But from the very beginning, our purpose was to honor God in all that we did. We worked hard and gave God the results. As we were blessed by God, we saw it as a great privilege to give back. We've been able to provide hope through supporting ministries and planting churches all over the world. That bigger mission and purpose helped me realize that I was just a steward and a manager of what God had entrusted me. God was the true owner of my business. That stewardship gave me a greater responsibility. I wasn't supposed to take the profits of the business and use them for myself. I also had a responsibility to the employees that God had put in my charge. This is why our company pays a minimum wage of $18.50 per hour, why we close on Sunday, which had been our most profitable day of business, and why we close by 8 p.m. every day. More importantly, I was responsible for the mission of what I'd been given. When I realized that I was just a steward, it was easy to give away my ownership. I think every CEO and business leader should consider whether they are owners or stewards. Consider the idea of where your success comes from. I've seen many a business and the greatest of ideas not make it, and yet others with the simplest of ideas thrive. I believe that God is the one who grants success, and with it, the responsibility to be a good manager. Interesting. That was picked up by several news services. I mean, you can, you can Google it, and you'll find, you know, I search on Apple News, you'll find at least a dozen variations of this article that he wrote. And by the way, he's, I think that Forbes or somebody, uh, they estimate him at worth like $14 billion. That's a lot of, that's a lot of money. Um, but what he said is what's important. It's not how much his bank account is or how big his empire is or how much influence he has. What, what he said was, I'm just a steward. I'm just a steward. I have employees all over the country, and I'm responsible for them. It's more important to me that they have a day off, and I'm going to pick Sunday because I think that's the day of worship so that they can be off. That's my most profitable day, but I don't care about that. I care about the people who work for me. I'm going to pay them a wage that's well above what um, anybody is, is um, saying I have to because I want them to be able to have a decent life and living. Um, I want to do things in, in such a way that honor and, <clears throat> and bless God. Now, I don't know exactly how this is fleshing out what he's doing with this company or whatever, but obviously he's not passing down some major windfall. Here's what Paul said in Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, you see, I can trust God. You can trust God. You can trust God with everything that you have. You can trust him with your marriage. You can trust him with your children. You can trust him with your home. You can trust him with your bank account. You can trust him with your job. You can trust him in your relationships. You can trust him with anything that, that, 
that you have in your realm of influence. You can trust God because he's trustworthy. In Matthew 10, 29 through 31, Jesus said, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are more valuable than many sparrows. God said, look, people buy and sell sparrows, yet even the sparrows don't die or fall to the ground without me allowing it to happen. You're worth way more than one of them. So coming in and yielding to God's ownership, recognizing God as a source of every good thing, and living a life of gratitude and dependence, it's a big step. It is a big step, but it's a life-changing step. It's a step that moves you into a realm that's beyond something imaginable. When, when it's my stuff, it's never enough. Look, when it all belongs to me, I, I, you just can't get enough. I, I think it was Rockefeller. They asked him, um, how, how much is enough? He goes, I don't know, just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. And, and <laughs> he had to be the richest guy up to that, you know, he had to be the Warren Buffett, Bill Gates of his day. That empire still stands. But it's not enough, is it? When it's ours, it's just not enough. But when it's God, it's, when it belongs to God, it's, it's, it's more than enough. In Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, 13 verses 5 and 6, he says, Keep your life free from the love of money. And be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Keep your life free from the love of money. Or or the love of money is something that causes problems, as Paul told Timothy. When, when, when our love becomes stuff and things rather than God, it, it, it flips things out of proportion. So this might be really, really difficult. I mean, it might be extremely difficult. You might come in and say, you know what? You have no idea. You have no idea where I am financially. And I really don't. But that's okay. I don't really need to. If we align our lives with God's word and align our finances with the way God has commanded us to and get our financial house in order, then it changes things. It just changes everything. So Jesus talked, when we talk about, you know, well, this is, it's uncomfortable. Look, Jesus talked about money and possessions more than he talked about prayer, more than he talked about heaven, more than he talked about hell. Why? Because it's what grabs our hearts and moves us away from him. It's because it can strangle us. It can put us in a, in a place where we are absolutely at our wits end, trying to wonder, how am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to pay all the different things that I bought on time? How am I going to cover this? How am I going to cover that? And, and we come in and look and say, you know, it's because I made bad decisions. I made bad decisions along the way. And these decisions are strangling me. Or it may just be that life has happened and, and things have happened and I, I don't know where I'm going to turn. And in that still, God's there. Um, the key 
to all of it is contentment in Jesus in abundance or poverty, whether we are wealthy or whether we're just scraping by, it's in being content with what God has given to us, being content in our circumstances. Um, it's being content in winning or, or losing, good times or bad times. It's being content in how God has placed us and put us here. In, uh, in Philippians 4, you, know, you probably know Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, it's like, um, you know, you may see the Olympic swimmer with a cool tattoo that says Philippians 4.13. Or, or something along those lines. And, 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 you, and, you know, before you get that tattooed on yourself, understand what, what the context of it is. Because you, I don't think you want that. Because what, what Paul is saying is, he said, now, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in every in any circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. What Paul is saying is there, whether I win or lose, I'll be okay. Whether I'm rich or poor, I'll be okay. Whether I am eating so much that I got to think about it before I take another bite, or I'm wondering if I'm going to be able to get enough to fill my belly tonight. I'll be okay because I can do it all through Christ who gives me strength. Not I can conquer anything through Jesus gave me strength. I can live through the circumstances in which God has placed me as I walk with Christ. And, and so that is key. So as we come in and, and we look at all of it today, talking about financial freedom, how do I come to this place where, where I have freedom from the stresses of finances, from the stresses of money. And look, it's a stressor. It is a stressor for people. And, and, um, and you, may be, you may be sitting here going, yeah, you, you have no idea my stress. And my stress has nothing to do with being, um, being wasteful or being foolish or anything else. It's just that life happened to me, and, and I've got some things that happened that, that I, there was no way for me to prepare for. And, and now I'm living in it, and I'm trying to climb. I, I understand that. I really do. I think they say the number one bankruptcy in, in the U.S. Is, is medical debt. You don't, you don't do anything to get there. You, it just happens. You get sick, and, and life happens. But there are other kinds of things that we get ourselves into that, that are a whole different animal. So as we come into this, I want us to look over the next uh, couple of weeks, two or three weeks, what it means to be free in, in this area of finances. And, and first of all, it's knowing what, where's my treasure? We talked about that last week, but what is it that I treasure? What is it that, that's important to me? What is it that grabs my heart? And, and to be careful to never hold in our hand or hold in our heart what we can hold in our hand. Don't hold in your heart what you can hold in your hand because it can be taken away. And then who's the owner? Understanding who is the owner of everything. Where does it come from? And will I live a life of gratitude and dependence? <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. and. In
we thank you. We thank you and we praise you because you make it possible for us to experience lives of abundance, lives of joy and hope. Father, that you've given us an eternal inheritance that's beyond anything that we could imagine or even think. Father, you've given us freedom from the sin that so easily entangles us through what Jesus did for us. Father, that he died in our place so that we could know you, so that we could be made right with you, so that we could worship you, so that we could be stewards, good stewards of the things that you've given to us. And Father, we pray that we would examine our hearts and allow you to speak to us today so that our our attitudes and our minds would be where you want them to be. And Father, that we would yield to you in every area of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As... uh, Coming into all of it, you know, I, I think probably the, the easiest way to look at it all, we, we easily trust Jesus for eternal life. It's easy. Yeah, I, I trust Jesus. I, I, want, I trust him that he died on a cross, that my sins are forgiven, not because of what I've done, but because of what he did for me, because he did that in my place. I, I, I can trust him for that. I mean, I'm, I, it might take me a while to come to that and, and then to even say, you know what, that I will follow him. But then when we come into that follow thing, we begin to see that he wants us to give up everything. I mean, everything. Everything for him. That's, that's, a, different, that's a different commitment. But it's really the same commitment. Because that's what he calls us to. He said, Jesus said, if any man was, would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. So this is where he's calling us. This is what um, really at the very base of it all of following Jesus means, that I am putting everything in my life on the table for him. Everything. Every last thing that I have in my grasp. It belongs to him. And I'm going to allow him to use that. So I just want to ask you a question this morning, real simply. Will you lean into that? Will you lean in to Jesus as Lord of everything? Would you stand? <clears throat>